Welcome back to another episode of the Quantium Cast. I'm your host Ryan Kier of quantumresearch.co.uk. In today's episode, I thought it would be appropriate to look at some of the means of investments that you can make using ETFs. And now ETFs, for anybody who's not familiar with them, translate to exchange-traded funds. To purchase an ETF is essentially giving yourself some exposure to a certain asset class or a certain sector. It doesn't matter, there are so many different ETFs out there. For our listeners who have arrived at a stage where they are thinking about the long term, investing where they wouldn't like to consistently check up on their investments performance and just sit back and ideally watch those investment returns roll right in. I've compiled a short list of ETFs that can give you anything from exposure to emerging market equity, to just the UK alone, to Japan, to China. So before we dive deep into the components of these ETFs, I think it would be a great idea to look at the returns first. And then we can try and brainstorm some potential reasons as to why these ETFs have moved in their respective directions and why some have outperformed others and some have underperformed others within our data set. So just to be clear, the four ETFs we're covering are all MSCI, meaning Morgan Stanley Capital International ETFs. So we'll be looking at emerging market equity, we'll be looking at the UK, Japan, and China. So those are the four for focus. If I look at a chart here in terms of normalized performance over the past three years to the current date, we must remember that the current date of recording is the 11th of June, 2020. The highest performer was Japan. That's quite a weird one. For, for most people because Japan seems to have had a choppy ride in terms of equities or at least equity performance over the past hundred or so years. Abenomics, Shinzo Abe's market-based policies seem to not be having an impact in propping up asset prices. Well, over the past three years, it seems that the ETF representing Japanese equity was up 11.83%, roughly 12% in this three-year period to date. Here's the problem though, if you look at the wider graph that goes beyond three years, Japanese equity has been choppy to say the least. The movements really wouldn't have been a smooth roughly 12% gain. For those who've held Japanese equity before, it's kind of like being on a ship and lightning striking and the waves all crashing against each other and you feel like the ship's going to capsize. Well, with Chinese equity, it's not like that. Chinese equity delivers roughly the same return over the three-year period. The exact return was about 11.56%. So we'll just round that up to 12%, which is effectively on par with the Japanese MSCI ETF. So the performance here was a little smoother. And this performance was rising from a low base, which actually means that if you are holding the Chinese equity ETF, you've probably made significant returns before, whereas if you held the Japanese ETF, returns would be quite choppy and timing is probably a difficult one there. So if we look at the third performer in terms of returns on the three-year rolling period, that's 6.15% and that was achieved by emerging market equities. And in last place, we had UK equities. If we look on a yearly basis now, you've got Japanese equities on top at 8.1%. Second place, you've got China at 5.5% for a return. You've got emerging market equities at roughly 3%. And in last place, again, we have UK equity, the MSCI ETF for that, 
which had them down. They were the only ETF that happened to be down at 12.37%. That was minus 12.37%. The best way to gather a bit of context about this situation is to look at the year-to-date returns of these four ETFs. And if we do that, we can see that Japan came on top. They were down, but only by roughly 3%. China was down by roughly 5%. Emerging market equities were negative by roughly 8%. And then we had UK equity that was down almost 20% year to date. And it's only been six months this year. That means with a miraculous recovery where we saw most blue chips doubling in value from lows, we are still down roughly 20%. Now here you'd start to think tech's been rallying during the COVID-19 crisis, but a lot of traditional sectors haven't been rallying. Such sectors would have gone entirely bust, would have been liquidated across the board if it weren't for these emergency government bailouts that had happened through commercial paper programs. So now that we've seen that the UK has been underperforming against a couple of select other representative ETFs, I think it would be a great idea to look into what is in this MSCI UK ETF to try and understand why there's been underperformance. So by having a quick look on the MSCI website, I'd noticed that roughly 44% of the ETF is accounted for by just 10 companies. There's no point going through the entire list, but the top two we should probably point out include AstraZeneca at 7% and GlaxoSmithKline at 5.34%. Looking across the entire basket, there's a domination by healthcare, consumer staples, and energy companies. Energy isn't something you tend to see across most indexes as a dominant force. And the energy component here is made up by RDSA and RDSB, so essentially Shell, and that's about 7%. If we look at healthcare as well, that is the general element across most indexes. But the problem is, where is the tech? When we saw a tech rally as a result of the COVID-19 crisis, a lot of tech stocks seemed to actually make highs, if not new highs and break out to all-time highs to the point where it was just ridiculous. Well, the UK doesn't really have many tech stocks. If you ask anyone, can you name a large UK-listed tech stock, it's going to be quite difficult. There's Okado, which uh, has an insane valuation, yet seems to be fairly valued relative to US tech stocks. But uh, the interesting stuff here is that people would think of places like Domino's because of Domino's delivery technology. But in the US, you've got Uber, you've got Netflix, you've got Apple, Amazon, all the, all the FANG stocks, Google, Microsoft, the list is endless. Now you're probably asking yourself, what about the US? Well, the truth is, although we haven't included them in this data set, their relative performance would exceed that of all the others in this data set. If we look at the MSCI ETF for China, a total of 31% of the portfolio's exposure is made up by just Alibaba and Tencent alone. We've got to remember though, if we look at emerging market equity, the top two are made up by Alibaba and Tencent as well, but the total size is 12.4%. So it seems that these two companies are huge outperformers and they may have skewed China towards the area of outperformance to the point where China has done a little bit better than EEM equity, 
but China is a large component of EEM equity. Now, what do I mean by that? 39% of the emerging market equities ETF is made up for by China, 12% Taiwan, 12% South Korea, 8% India, 6% Brazil, and the rest are too small to mention in this situation. With China, just two companies made up 31% of the total exposure. But with EEM, emerging market equity, the top 10 holdings take up roughly 27% of the total exposure. This means that the returns you'd expect to see from holding the Chinese ETF are largely skewed by this tech sector. The technical way to say it is that there's a huge consumer discretionary focused blend and we've got 31% just by Alibaba and Tencent alone. But if we look at Japan, few dominant tech companies exist, but there are many in number. You've got mostly consumer discretionary, again, like China, and comms. Comms is quite a wide area because SoftBank counts as comms, but you've got Toyota, Sony, Nintendo. So it's kind of a techie vibe, but not as specific as Alibaba and Tencent. Because Tencent is probably best known for their gaming acquisitions. They're really going in the disruptive path, which uh, few quote-unquote communication firms would be doing so. And that may be a reason why they've outperformed and China has come on top relative to emerging market equity because China maybe is mainly responsible for the reason as to why EEM has been so dominant over the past decade. Although in this short analytical episode, we haven't been able to include more bits of data, it might be interesting to then lead on from this area of tech and try and look at tech sectors versus other sectors to try and look at some other sectors that may have been responsible for outperformance in different countries or, or just ones that have consistently delivered beyond technology, which is definitely the go-to. A lot of people say the reasons why markets will continue to rise over time is because of old companies dying out, new sectors being formed because of new businesses, innovative solutions being brought forward. What was it? We had uh, telecoms or was it? No, telegraph. That used to be a sector about a hundred years ago. And then has now morphed into something that we all know as telecommunications. My immediate thought would be tech has had a magnificent bull run. What will be the next thing that will send one of these representative ETFs soaring? What does the UK have that say Japan, China or the US wouldn't or any other emerging market economy? Obviously the UK being a developed market. Any other developed market wouldn't have, who knows? Or vice versa, whether those nations would have something that we don't have. We don't know. But it would be interesting to look at some other sectors that have been emerging over the past five years, 10 years or so, maybe even a year, year-to-date performance. It's always important to diversify through different ETFs, whether that's domestic or international. But the important thing is to not diversify, <laughs> as many people say, over-diversify with, say, equities, thinking that you're going to get diversification, but you have the same amount of risk and you just have less returns. Or to buy as many things that are different from one another and hope to get a huge amount of returns. Sometimes you need some form of concentration. And by having this concentration, you're able to capitalize on when that particular asset performs the best. 
And if it doesn't do so, if it falls in value, by having this diversification, you're able to hedge and protect yourself against a bad situation. You're able to get some returns from those areas that will be able to mitigate your losses. The key to diversification is by buying uncorrelated assets and not buying them just for the fact that they are uncorrelated assets with one another, but rather they are both trending up. They both present value or these multiple assets present value. And you could see a situation where you would make money on all fronts. If you're bullish on technology and you want a high concentration in your portfolio from that, then buying a UK-based ETF for equities is probably a bad idea because we don't really have many representative firms of the sector. Buying in the US through, I don't know, the S&P 500, the Dow Jones, etc., the NASDAQ being one that made all-time highs, surprisingly, today. That is the 11th of June 2020. If you think the trend still has some energy left, then maybe it would be a good idea to go long there as opposed to the UK. That's totally up to you. But regardless of what you decide to do, I've been your host, Ryan Keir of quantumresearch.co.uk. That wraps up this episode, and there's a lot of content that is coming up on our site very soon. Until next time.